We are here with Aram Mughalian, founder of Solidate. If I'm not mistaken, Solidate is helping like web free startups to find the tech talents from all over the world, right? Yes. Uh, hi. Thanks for having me. First of all, it's nice to be here. Yeah, Solidate, it's a decentralized marketplace that's helping web-free startups hire web-free talent all across the world. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Can you can you tell a bit about yourself? Like, what are you doing? How you became for that idea? Like, when it all started? And why sure. web-free? Like, the first okay. and main question. All right, so let me, let, me, let me give you a little introduction about myself, then I'll talk about why web free and then I'll talk about why Solidate in that order. Yep. So um, I was born raised in Armenia um, um, and throughout my career, I've done a lot of jobs and I've started different things. Um, in a nutshell, I'm a physicist who turned into an MBA, who turned into a consultant and now who turned into an entrepreneur. So I've had different stages in my life. The first stage was added physics undergrad I loved science, but then I realized I can't get a job in in science. So I'm like, okay, what do I do? Then I went into business. Um, I worked uh, for a number of different companies in different countries in Europe, Middle East, and now I'm in Asia. Uh, and through that process, I got my MBA degree. And after working in the in industry for a few years, I moved into consulting. I was a strategy consultant based out of Munich, Germany. And that corporate life after a while stopped exciting me. And then I said, okay, I want to build something from zero to one. And that's where my entrepreneurship journey started. That's when I moved to Singapore. I went into, a, into an um, incubator called Antler, where I met my co-founders and where all this journey with Solidate started. So this is gotcha. me about, it's, it's about me in a nutshell. Now, um, why Web3? This is something that deserves a whole different episode on its own. But um, I think the short answer is that centralized institutions that have been around for more or less 100 years, they have proven not to be very efficient, especially in such countries that are not very stable and the, the kind of countries that are not democracies. And these kind of institutions have been failing their job. Uh, a few examples could be I don't know, modern day Venezuela, Lebanon, uh, Argentina, the kind of countries where these centralized financial institutions, this could be governments, central banks, et cetera, they have failed to do things properly. And because these proper checks and balances were absent, these countries just uh, ended up in a very, very bad situation. Um, another example is, if, if you look at democracies, right, why is that the most powerful, thriving countries are largely democracies. There are some exceptions, but mostly these are democracies, right? Why? Well, the simple reason is that no single person holds absolute power. So if this person happens to be bad at their job, there's a process, which is elections, that this person can be removed from the power. And at the same time, even when you are in the power, there's different... Uh, parts of the government which act as checks and balances. So this is sort of guaranteeing that uh, no single person has absolute control. Uh, and this is what Web3 is doing. Web3 is essentially saying we have a lot of institutions, let's say, for example, banks, governments, etc. And in some cases, they have too much power. And we're trying to decentralize this power 
and take it away from one centralized entity. And this is this was the whole idea of the Bitcoin that we don't want to rely on banks because Bitcoin was born. The white paper started circulating at the end of 2008. We had this the, the biggest financial crisis, and in 2009 it started. And this was the reason why Web3. So in a nutshell, uh, we need decentralization because humans in their nature, they can't really do a good job when they are given uh, unlimited power. Yeah. Um, did you did you uh, see the news about that uh, on a all Apple computers, there were hidden uh, yeah. Bitcoin uh, white paper? That was insane. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And it's been around for, for a number of years. And I don't know, somebody discovered apparently and posted on Twitter. And then people have like were trying. They're like, oh, this is so cool. Uh, I don't know who did that. It it could be just one rogue developer, or it could be I don't know the idea of Steve Jobs. I don't know, but I think that's something pretty cool, and it really shows that whoever did that, it was someone who was part of Apple, and and, and most likely this person was very uh, dedicated pro crypto, <laughs> so to yeah. say. A good hodler, <laughs> a good Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. So basically, that means that Web3 is not about like NFTs, gamifies. There are huge, huge potential there. Like, why am I asking? Because a lot of people, uh, maybe because of the lack of the information, thinks that the Web3 is only related with the metaverse or NFTs. And this kind of information is really valuable for everyone. Like, right. Let me just simplify things, right? So a web phrase, it's just an umbrella term for a lot of different things which are sort of decentralized or things that have to do anything with blockchain and often a lot of centralized entities like uh, centralized regulated exchanges like Binance or Coinbase are kind of put in this group. And there is no clear definition of what it is, right? But um, in 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 my understanding, the way I see it, web free, um, web free companies are the ones that are leveraging decentralized technology, and that in their nature are decentralized and often permissionless players. Uh, now, if you look at the history of web free, it all started with Bitcoin, and then you had a lot of copycat cryptocurrencies. Usually, they just took the Bitcoin code, they forked it, and the likes of Dogecoin and etc. Right. And then you had Ethereum in 2015, 2016, which was essentially a, a decentralized computer that nobody can just tweak around. You just write a code and then it's just going to execute it as it's written. And then in 2017, you had all these uh, ICO boom. You still didn't have truly decentralized uh, protocols built on top of that. And then in 2019, 2020, you started having the first decentralized protocols, right? So yeah. and until that point, it was mostly about cryptocurrencies. But in the past three years, Web3, I think at that point, we Web3 wasn't even used. It was mostly crypto. Now Web3 became kind of sexy, so to say, in the past, in the past couple of years. Yeah, so now you have a whole bunch of... Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so the cryptocurrencies were the first thing. Then you had the DeFi. It's like decentralized finance. Decentralized and permissionless protocols could be things like decentralized exchanges where anyone can go and just swap cryptocurrencies like Uniswap is, is, is one example. There's many of them. Or it can be lending and borrowing protocols like Compound or Aave, etc. Right? 
is just another example. And now you have all sorts of uh, different decentralized DeFi-related protocols which are doing different things. Some are for different exotic instruments, etc. So this is just another thing. And then what you are seeing, uh, I think it was around 2021 early, you started having this NFT boom. And the, the simplest way to explain it is NFT, it's, it's just a digital collectible which is proving your ownership in a way that it can't be changed. As simple as that, you can, NFT, these days when you, when you say an NFT, most people think it's just uh, some ape tag or something <laughs> and they're like oh you can just right click save as what's the difference like it's more about proving that i have this image and it's mine that that's it right yeah and that's so it it's, yeah exactly it's it's a digital collectible alternative would be like okay i can take a mona lisa picture in louver so it's mine no it's not yours <laughs> so, so this is the whole idea right these days again nfts are uh primarily these collectibles but they have a lot of different applications. And I think the biggest application for them will come from real world assets, which essentially will prove your ownership. There were cases where the ownership of the house was done through NFT sale, et cetera. But these are very small. Um, these are yeah. very few cases and it's still kind of an experiment in progress, but this is another thing. So we had crypto, we had the DeFi, we had NFTs. Now, there's a lot more different applications. It could be, I think one of the biggest one is going to be decentralized social media. So currently we all use Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and they are all very separate siloed platforms and they don't talk to each other. And if you get banned in one place, that's it, right? You just lose all your work or they have some censorship policies where if you don't, agree with that, then you have no choice. You can't really uh, complain about it. Yeah, and not what, forget what, about hackings, bots, and a bunch of lot of stuff like that. Exactly, exactly, right. And and most importantly, if you say you have a lot of followers on one platform and you want to move to another one, it's pretty much impossible. These platforms don't talk to each other. But now there is this concept of decentralized social media where essentially... Uh, all your data is stored in a, I don't want to go into too much details, but essentially it's something like an email, right? If you have contacts, email contacts, you can migrate from Gmail to Hotmail to Yahoo Mail, whatever, right? And even if Yahoo says, okay, you know what? You did something wrong. I'm going to shut down. If you had saved your contacts, you can quickly upload them to Google and boom, then there you go. You have all your uh, followers to say with you. So the whole basic idea of decentralized social media is that um, you are in control of your followers and not the uh, and not the company that's that's not the centralized company that's running these uh, these platforms. So this will give even more leverage to people. And yeah. by the way, like one of the tools that billions of people use is email, and it's probably the first decentralized application. I mean, it's it's kind of decentralized because most like Google doesn't have ownership of email or Microsoft or Facebook, right? And we all use it, and and people just don't realize how valuable it is. Because uh, just imagine if there was just one email protocol, like, and if you just got banned, that's it. You wouldn't have email, right? It's like okay, <laughs> you would be pretty much cut <laughs> cut yeah. out of the 
of, of the whole internet. Uh, so decentralized social media is another application. Uh, I think uh, in the years to come, there will be more applications. These are just some of them. But I wanted to give some examples of what Web3 is. Uh, but again, yeah, I won't go into too much details now. I'll just stop at this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll come back to the NFTs. Like, uh, yeah, you were right. If I'm not mistaken, it, it started like two two years ago. But then, well, before all of that, uh, we had CryptoPunks, right? With yeah. Laravel apps, if I'm not mistaken. So these guys started, uh, they are the first NFT creators in the space in, back in 2017. They created that CryptoPunks and it, it's like free mint stuff. So everyone can freely claim it. And now it's worth like a couple of million yeah. dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, yeah, prices have fallen a little bit, but yeah, yes, they used a different technology. But but yeah, uh, yeah. The, the concept is the same. They just found a way to create an uh, an immutable way to say that this, uh, yeah. this digital belongs to Ethereum and yeah, all exactly. And uh, so you mentioned a couple of examples of the web free and one of them, I totally agree with you, is the decentralized social media. Uh, are there anything uh, that you that you know that already started the development? Like I know uh, Chile, it's like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chile is a blockchain plus decentralized social media like TikTok for the short videos. Uh, are there anything else that you... Notice it. Right. So, so I think some of my favorite ones, one is the Farcaster. It's a, it's a protocol and th there is the company that is developing the protocol. And then there is different clients. You have a web client, you have a mobile client and different teams now are building different clients. So essentially just think of it this way. You can use different uh, clients to access your Facebook. So this, this is a pretty cool thing. I've already tried it using two different clients and it's it's working fine. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Um, it's a new platform. It's still invite only. Um, that's why I'm not really talking a lot about it on LinkedIn, which is, <laughs> which is its probably biggest competitor now, uh, or at least uh, LinkedIn and probably Twitter, I should add. So this is one. The other one is Lens Protocol, which is also very famous. It's co-founded by the co-founder of Aave, um, which is a crypto lending platform. So that's another one. And probably the the third one is called DISO. It's um it's another protocol where um uh these different types of decentralized uh platforms exist. It could be uh, decentralized LinkedIn, it could be decentralized Twitter, etc. So all, all of them live on this different uh protocol. So essentially now you have different competing protocols and they have thousands, tens of thousands of users. I think their total user number is under a million. Um, last time I checked, there is another one which is called uh, Mastodon and even Elon Musk has been tweeting about it. If you don't like Twitter, you can go, you can go there. Um, and that one is more like a, it's like a federation of different servers. It's not really decentralized. It's it's a bit, uh, you have to choose a server to sign up it. I don't really like it a lot. I don't use it. I kind of like the protocols which are more, I like the platform which are based on a protocol and you can choose different clients. 
and you don't depend on a single server. But yeah, I mean, there's different models. It's yeah. early to say which one is going to succeed. It's like, I think we are in like 2003 where you had the MySpace, Friendster, Facebook, and like nobody knew which one is going to take off. And ultimately we had, now we have the Facebook and all the, all the others are dead. Maybe in 10, 20 years, we'll see which one is going to succeed. So I'm kind of using them all and trying to understand which one is, is the best. Yeah. So uh, basically in a, in a 20 minutes, like we've discussed a bunch of things about the web free, like the tough things uh, about the social medias, about decentralization, about the governance, etc. But I like uh, for the newcomers, for like uh, early, really, really new joiners, what is the key of understanding about the web three? Where where can where can they start? Like uh, you as a co-founder, uh, as a guy who posted a lot of interesting stuff on LinkedIn, on Twitter about the web three technologies. Like, what is the first step for the ones who do not know anything about the web three NFTs, decentralization? Where they can start it? Like, yeah, okay. Um, so I would say. There's, there's a couple of sources, right? I believe, first of all, um, you don't really learn about Web3 by reading. You should learn by doing it. So probably number one step is you go to a major centralized exchange in your country. You sign up, you did the KYC, and then you just buy some crypto, whatever crypto you want to buy. I'm not going to give financial advice on that. But yeah, again, like, I mean, the major chain of the protocol on which a lot of uh, uh, decentralized apps are built is Ethereum or L2 Ethereum scaling solutions. So if you want to play around, you probably need to have some if, right? Uh, so this is one thing. And then if you really want to learn the very basics, I think Binance, Coinbase, I don't know, there's a couple of other, all these big exchanges, they have these uh, different FAQ sections where it kind of explains in very simple words, what is crypto? How do you use it, etc. Right. So this is the first step. You just read the basics. The second step is um, you want to get a self-custodial wallet. Essentially, if you buy crypto, that crypto is going to be held by by this exchange. Yep. And this is what happened with FTX. Right. It just blew up. A lot of people lost their money. So. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> So my advice would be, if you really go into crypto, you probably want to self-custody your assets. And we have the saying in crypto, not, not your keys, not your tokens, which essentially means that if you don't do your self-custody, then you should expect that at any point, whoever is, whoever, whichever custodian is holding your crypto, they might just go bankrupt. And, and we have seen this, not just FTX, but also a lot of other smaller players like Celsius, BlockFi, et cetera, right? So the second step is get a wallet. Again, uh, no recommendations, but probably the most popular one these days out there for Ethereum-based tokens, it's MetaMask. And by the way, they have a pretty good MetaMask Academy, which explains these very basics. So I, I think it's a good place to start, right? If you don't want to go into very complicated things, just go there, download it. Uh, don't put a lot of money in the very beginning. Just just install it. Uh, and uh, one and only financial advice that you need to get. Yeah, yeah. I'm just 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 kind of giving step by step process. Uh, just transfer some of your crypto to your wallet and start playing around, right? 
so this is the, the this is the basics if you want to learn about different protocols the best way is probably to follow some people who are in web free space and who are and there is some creators who just have to search who i don't know make daily posts about web free i try to do it to um, educate my followers there's a lot of other great content creators you should probably follow them. Um, and many are on LinkedIn. So if you have a LinkedIn profile, I would recommend to start on LinkedIn because if you go to Twitter, you have a lot of this crypto native jargon, which is, you will just get so confused that you're like, okay, I don't want to get into crypto. Uh, probably start on LinkedIn. It's a good place. Uh, then once you get to a bit more advanced level, you can also go, on, uh, go to Twitter and just start following these very detailed crypto conversations. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so are there any like popular or, well, we talk about popular uh, also, yeah, uh, unpopular areas in web free industry that had a huge potential in the future, like for your opinion, do we have something like that? So popular, I think decentralized social media is, is not popular like these days. Like it, again, it's, it all started with like, crypto right so the crypto is the most popular then you have the DeFi, and then you had the nfts right so then you started having this decentralized social media i think the popularity is, is based on when this trend came around so i would say decentralized social media is not very popular but it can revolutionize the lives of potentially millions maybe billions of people because how many people are on uh Facebook or TikTok or YouTube or whatever, right? And by the way, we have all these decentralized alternatives, all these different platforms like decentralized YouTube, decentralized TikTok, yeah. decentralized Twitter, decentralized LinkedIn. Even it's just that, Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would say these platforms haven't truly found product market fit yet. And they they their user experience isn't as good as that of uh, centralized platforms. Uh, because they have spent uh, 10 plus years building and perfecting their experience and they have the best engineers, designers, product managers. And, and that's normal. If, if you uh, if you used Facebook in 2003, you probably wouldn't be too much interested either. But th yeah. that's how things start, right? So it's, yeah. again, early to say, but I think decentralized social media is definitely one area that I'm very bullish on. Another area... Probably, I think it's also very promising what they call is real world assets on the blockchain. I think these days, and, and by the way, this is again, when we say NFT, it's a, it's also an umbrella term. Currently, when you say NFT, the people think it's some kind of a JPEG of some animal or whatever, some co digital collectible, that's what they think. But yep. it's just one of the very few possible applications for NFTs. Anything that these days is... Uh, that proves ownership and that's done in a centralized manner can be done uh, in a decentralized manner. And I think uh, the biggest adoption of NFTs will come when these big institutions start getting into this space and start putting different financial assets, for example, on the blockchain. Because this will uh, this will not only uh, make them immutable, but it also will make it transparent. So you, you would be able to see... Uh, uh, for example, uh, let's say if it's a bank, right? Uh, 
that the proof of reserves can be on the blockchain and it can be public. And it's one of the best ways instead of doing a quarterly, I don't know, like some reports about your financial health, all this information can be on the blockchain in real time. For example, this is just a, one possible application that's been proposed these days, right? But I think one area that will come around and some institutions probably don't like it very much because it will make their uh, work more transparent. Although I think others, they like it and they won't embrace it. So it's a bit contentious thing. It will be these real world assets on the blockchain. Um, but I think to answer your question about the most unpopular assets, I think the most unpopular ones are the... the are, it's the crypto and DeFi now. Why? Well, because um, at least in the US, there is a clear war on crypto by the regulators. Uh, so what we are seeing is uh, last week, European Union has passed this comprehensive crypto regulation, uh, which essentially uh, laid the foundation for different crypto players to operate in Europe. So Europe is the first in the world to have this kind of comprehensive crypto regulation. So they're leading the way. If you look at the US, what's really happening there, you have the uh, their SEC chairman, which is sort of the agency, which is largely overseeing this, this uh, securities, and they believe crypto is a security. The chairman is being asked a direct question, is Ethereum a crypto? And he can't give a clear answer. On the other hand, the same chairman claims, you know what? We don't need regulation. Things are clear. We have old rules from the 1930s and, <laughs> and, and these rules apparently also cover crypto. So we don't need regulations. And this SEC is seeing all the players left and right from Yugo Labs, which is the creator of Bored Apes, this famous NFT collection to probably the most trustworthy centralized crypto exchange out there, Coinbase to Binance uh, to a lot of other exchanges, like pretty much every big player has been slapped by a fine. Kraken, they was slapped by a fine. They stopped Ethereum staking. Now they say they're probably going to bring up charges, criminal charges against CZ, the CEO of Binance. Whoa. Coinbase has received this uh, Wells notice, which essentially they received the notification that SEC is going to sue them. So it's a lot of uncertainty even a lot of uh senators like elizabeth warren who's this very famous democrat she's like in her political campaign she's putting an advertisement saying i'm building an anti-crypto army like the message couldn't have been more clear there's a big pushback in the u.s against the crypto and yeah that's why i guess crypto is very unpopular against some people and, and like 90, 90, 95% of them do not ever like purchase cryptos, do not hold something like they don't have any exactly. like real understanding how blockchain works, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like there was this Gary Gensler, this, uh, the, the chairman of SSC, and he's like, I've never had crypto, but I want to regulate it. And I made a post about it. It's like someone who's never driven a car wants to make traffic rules it's like <laughs> this is kind of ridiculous right <laughs> yeah I, I i heard that also uh coinbase may be planning to leave the united states like completely um the, i'm not sure because it's, it's some rumors they are the 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're the dominant players. So I don't think they will live that easily. But what they did now, initially they focused on the US, right? They were the primary centralized crypto exchange serving the US users. And I think they are the one that are really following the letter of the law. It's just that the laws are not clear. So that's why they are getting selected a lawsuit. Uh, but anyways, yeah, they received their license in Bermuda, I think. And it was like last week, maybe two weeks ago, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Like that. So yeah. essentially, yes, they are planning to go abroad. They already have some presence in some countries, but they are uh, pushing for this international expansion because they see that, you know, U.S. is... You don't want to be in the U.S. if you're a crypto company. Uh, if you, you want to be based somewhere else, you probably want to be in the UAE or you want to be in this crypto-friendly uh, jurisdiction, at least to be registered there, like... I don't know, Bahamas or where FTX was or Bermuda or British Virgin Islands, whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's why US has been losing consistently over the past couple of years, uh, web free builders, developers, even the traffic from from the US to major web free sites has been declining. And again, I just, just made another post about it today that US has been this center of innovation but now it's at the risk of losing its dominance to to other countries. Uh-huh. Can can you repeat the last part? Because like the internet is freezing. Yeah. So what what I was saying is that because of its a crypto friendly regulatory environment, US is at the risk of losing its uh, dominant position as the center of innovation for the crypto industry because if you look at it all these uh, first companies were started in the US mm -hmm. um, I believe Ethereum uh, after coming to the staking world they had like they also started to follow the US regulator uh, policies right mm -hmm. and there was a rumor that about 80% of the validators of the Ethereum network are from US and they clearly following all the rules uh, of the United States. Yeah, so so yeah, there was these notes that were essentially you're probably referring to the uh, the the OFAC enforcement, which is essentially uh, Office for Foreign Asset Control. Essentially, they said that there was this crypto mixer called Tornado Cash yeah. that uh, that no US person should be uh, interacting with that uh, with that DeFi protocol, and Ethereum validator nodes should not be processing these transactions that are trying to interact with it. That's the, this was the thing, right? And at some point, it was the percentage of validators which were essentially following it was pretty high. But I I was reading recently that it's it's been going down, which is which is good news, I guess, because crypto is supposed to be decentralized. Yeah, it's 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 a good thing, definitely. Um, yes, and to your point, yes, most of the Bitcoin miners and Ethereum node validators are from the US. Yes, that's true. Used to be the case that uh, most Bitcoin miners were in China, right? But then the China, a couple of years ago, they said, okay, we're going to make uh, all crypto illegal because it's a very centralized state. So what happened is, Immediately, like overnight, all these uh, miners, just validators, like they just migrated from China to the US. So um, I'm not too much concerned about it because crypto is if US says, hey, 
you can't do that anymore. I think they're just going to pack up and move somewhere else where it's legal. And there are definitely country, countries that want to be seen as crypto friendly and they pass these regulations. I mean, Europe is one example, uh, yeah. but there is also UAE, which is uh, which has been championing this uh, uh, crypto web free companies with open arms. And I see a lot of companies who relocate there from the US, from Hong Kong, from Asia, from Europe. So it's so, so Dubai and UAE in general is the new new crypto hub globally, not just regionally. Yeah, they they are very popular right now. Uh, so, okay, uh, we've discussed about crypto. We've discussed about popular and up unpopular things, thoughts, etc. Uh, let's back to the like career thing, like in in a career way. You're you're helping web three startups to find the tech talents uh, in mm -hmm. the industry. So, what are the well, first of all, what are the problems of the modern web three startups? Like, for example, most of them, like a lot of them, are token token oriented, and you know, in a in some point, they're just dropping it and switching all their position, like dropping the token, announcing that they're not going to continue to support the token and stuff, and uh, started to real like a completely new division and trying to do something else. Uh, mm -hmm. What else? Like, it, this is one of the examples that I saw in my experience, but uh, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of them. I think the, what you're referring to is a classical rock pull thing where a lot of startups, they, uh, and that was pretty common in 2017. I mean, it still happens these days, but it was super common then. You would raise a lot of money and you would just disappear and say, oh, project isn't working out. You'd make some fancy looking white paper and you would never build a product, right? These kind of things, they happen in crypto. And by the way, it's not just in crypto. You also had this thing that people would raise a lot of money in the 90s during the dot-com boom, dot-com boom where they would get a lot of money, they would build something that nobody needed and et cetera, right? So whenever there is this boom, you will have some bad apples that will try to leverage it to their advantage to raise easy money. And that happened in 2017, that happened in 2021, where a lot of startups, they were, I don't know, building NFT collections, they were building uh, different protocols, et cetera, right? Yeah. So this is one thing. If you're if you're a job seeker, you should really make sure that the company is legit. So this is this is the first thing. You should really make sure that the company is legit uh, before you apply to them. But um, if if I have to talk about the challenges of getting a job in Web three, I would say it's very much market driven. If you look in twenty twenty one, it was it was candidates market essentially the the talent they were. They were the, they had the position of power. They had a lot more leverage than the employers. Now it's employers market. Employers have a lot more leverage than candidates because uh, you have a lot more supply of talent looking for work than uh, than available jobs by the employers. So for this reason, the dynamics of the game have changed. But I think the overall, uh, the same basic rules of how you should approach the work have stayed the same. I'm happy to talk about it. Um, if... Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so I think look, uh, in Web3, there is, there is a couple of key differences, right? Compared to the Web2 world. So the first one is um, 
in Web2, even after COVID, a lot of companies, they still ask you to work from the office, to relocate, to do this and that. In Web3, in, in the vast majority of cases, it's a remote work. A lot of Web3 teams are remote. Quite often, some of the members are anonymous. So this requirement is almost non-existent, almost. Again, there are some exceptions, but in, uh, in truly... Uh, in true web free startups, most of the roles that I see are remote. So this is first. Second, um, compared to Web2, it's even less important um, where your degree is from, who you worked for, etc. Why? Because Web3 and crypto is so new. If you said, oh, I did something in, I don't know, seven years ago, it's probably not going to be relevant. It's it, All they care is what you did in the last three years, right? Because this industry is so new. All that matters is what you can build, what your skills are. They don't care if you have a degree from Harvard 10 years ago, but you can't build something. Or you may be someone who doesn't even uh, have a university degree, but you're a great Solidity developer. You have worked on some crazy projects from day one when these projects were like nobody knew about them. And now they're very famous. And you would, you would be very much in demand. So I think these two characteristics are really uh, important and they're significantly different from what we see in the, uh, in the web to job market, right? Um, yeah, I would say that probably these are the two, two, two big ones that come to my mind. Cool. What, what about the, for, for example, for web free talents, like uh, for them, what is the like minimum knowledge of, uh, starting working as a web3 developer like for example uh if a guy who knows a really good javascript for example or java or something else and wants to uh, like he already read all the stuff on coinbase on metamask academy and stuff and one wants to apply for a job like for junior web3 developer well let's call that popular way like right what will be your suggestion for them? Like uh, some advices for him? Or, or I right. I think the best way now, like it, it, it would have been a little different in 2021, but now it's a little different because the market is more competitive and you're probably going to compete with people who already have some experience building in web free. So the best way now is to join some sort of a hackathon or join some sort of a DAO and build something. There's a lot of projects where initially you have to prove yourself. Like, just think this way. You, you have never done any work in Web3. You want to get a job in Web3. Uh, it's a crypto winter. So how do you prove that you, you have you, you know you have the skills, right? You can yeah. say I have the skills, but the employer is going to receive a lot of um, applications from people, even for a junior role. And these people have built some things. They can say, okay, I built this. NFT marketplace, I have built this, I have built that, right? So you have to prove yourself. So it's like building a small portfolio. If you go to Hackathon and you say, you know what? Uh, during this short Hackathon, I have built this product and it works. This is what it is. Okay, good. Or you can say, I joined this DAO and it can be something that you do for free, for example, or for very small pay. It's more like a learning experience. You just build that uh, while working with other members of the DAO. So that could be another example. Uh, in, in my opinion, this is probably the best way now. Um, because if you apply for jobs, uh, 
it's going to be very tough just to get job in web free unless you are already you mentioned for junior roles if you are very experienced kind of team lead type of a person who's done a lot of things in web 2 and this web free company really needs a team lead because they are building something for example um user facing right so that can work and i've seen this kind of examples but if you uh, don't have experience you're a dev who's just getting started and you want to be in web3 specifically this is what you got to do it's very similar to people who just graduate from university and they want to get a job what do they do they just do some internships right they do summer internship three months here three months there uh, and it's not just for web3 even for consulting investment banking all these students do, during their undergraduate degree they do a couple of internships they get some skills they get some good recommendations and then uh, they just find a full-time job. So same here, but we don't have internships in web free. So things are different. What, what, what they call internship is you join, a, again, hackathon, you join a DAO, uh, you can even build something apps like totally alone or with a group yep. of friends. You don't have to do any DAO. You can say, hey, you know what? I've seen a problem. I'm super passionate. I just learned coding myself. I built this thing. It works. I have X number of users. Traction is growing. Boom. There you go. So it's a working product. But my best advice is to just build something to showcase it. And don't just put on your CV. The second advice is talk about what you are doing, right? If you are on social media, for example, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc., build in public. Say, hey, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a high school graduate. I want to be in web free. I'm learning. Ask people for help. Say, what kind of hackathon should I join? Um, or what kind of DAO should I join to learn building? And trust me, you'll get a lot of help. If you really ask in the right place, you'll get a lot of help. Web free is a very supportive community. Um, and then as you go, you say, hey, this is my first version of the product. Please don't judge me too <laughs> seriously. But there we go. Boom. And you put on your profile and some people will see, right? They might not Definitely. hire you immediately, but some founders, for example, and you should connect and you should network, right? Yeah. When you do, it's not just you post. You should also go on and interact with the posts of other people who are in your position, as well as identify some founders whose products you really like, and they may not have a job, but follow what they build and engage with them, comment on their posts, and you will be connected and they will have you on their radar. So yeah. once you build a product it might be that they would be like huh i like this developer you know like he or she's like very junior but i like what they built so you know what next time they have a junior role they might have you in their mind so when you apply they're like oh i think i know this person you know let me just call them for an interview so this is the best way you build something yourself and second you talk about your journey you i, I call it building in public or sharing your story in public uh, this is probably the best way. And in web free, CV is less relevant than your on-chain activities, on-chain reputation, things you do. And when I say on-chain, you may be making LinkedIn posts technically not on the chain, but it's still your online reputation. Let's let's put it yep. that way. Your online reputation is much more important than, than your CV. So things are uh, much more informal here. That's why you have to start networking from day one even before building something and you should ask you should be open about what you do and people will reach out and i think at the end of the day you will find something for your network yeah like networking is the key 
like right Absolutely. for for everything like even if it's not a web 3 it's a web 2 if you're doing a good networking uh on chain off chain and saying off chain i mean conferences hackathons right 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 you yeah i mean so to find a job absolutely and some conferences by the way they can be pretty expensive i've often seen one thousand dollar plus tickets and they may be i don't know if denver or i don't know in dubai or in singapore and you may not be able to attend them if you can attend that's definitely good to attend them but if you can't that's okay. You can still engage with a lot of people who attend these conferences online. Yeah, sure. And besides, we have good web through web to social medias. <laughs> like yeah. LinkedIn <laughs> is completely like all you need for, for networking, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what about the problems like I'm sure you have interviewed a lot of developers, even in a, like web free developers, solidity developers. Like, what kind of problems uh, do they have? And by, by saying problems, I mean uh, in a professional and like uh, personal ways, like uh, lack of communication, lack of presentation of their selves. What will be the the like how to say it? Yeah, no, I, I got your, your advice for the for the web free guys. Uh, right, I think so. Especially a lot of tech people, and it 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 applies both for web two and web free. Is they can be really great at what they do, but when it comes to selling themselves, um, this is an area where they can just work on improving themselves, right? And but when I say selling themselves, it's more about soft skills. How do yeah. you sell yourself? How to you promote yourself? How do you perform? Uh, during the interviews when when you are not asked very technical questions, right? How do you negotiate with your future employer, right? Um, et cetera. All, all, all these kind of things I, I think are very important because uh, just being technical is, is not enough to succeed because you're going to work as a part of the team. Yeah. And these kind of skills become even more important if you are more senior, if you are a senior dev, you would be expected to uh, coach some junior developers. If you are a team lead, you'd be leading a team of developers, etc. Right. So uh, developing selling slash soft skills is critically important. This, this is the first area. Um, another area related to specifically web free is that. Uh, there is a lot of so-called uh, fake CVs, fake people who claim to be who they are, but they are not. Um, some examples could be that I've come across. People, for example, from countries where web free is banned, like China, they would pretend to be, I don't know, based in US or Canada or quite, quite often I would see people pretending to be even uh, Japanese developers. Or, or based in Singapore, right? And right. this is something you should be very careful about. Uh, they would claim to have worked for very famous companies or protocols, again, which may not necessarily be the case. You should also check that, verify some references, etc. cetera. Um, and yeah, and, and, and the most extreme case could be when someone is like, hey, I'm an anonymous developer, I've done this and that. And there are some legit anonymous developers, by the way, don't get me wrong, but there are also a lot of bad apples. So it's it's very tricky to see who's legit, who's not. So in Web3, you, you still have this thing that 
Um, a lot of times you just work on a project uh, and technically you are not like their employee. You get paid in crypto. Often there is no legal contractual relationship between yeah. you two. So it's it's a bit harder to understand if, if this person has really worked there or not. Uh, so this is another problem. So as an employer, you should really make sure that whoever you're hiring, you can they can verify their story. And this is when, again, going back to my first point, if you are a legit person and you have built a legit online reputation, and if you're out and everybody knows your identity, it's only going to work to your advantage. If you're an anonymous developer, for all they know, you may have a few different profiles and you may be involved in some shady things. And we have seen some examples of uh, people who, who were creating these different identities and uh, who were building some things and and essentially they were just trying to manipulate things uh, for, for a variety of different reasons. I remember this protocol on Solana. I just don't remember the name. I think these were there were these brothers that were building a protocol on Solana and they created a lot of different profiles and they were trying to uh, make it look like, oh, you know what, it's it's an active community. There's different builders in, in our ecosystem, but in reality, it wasn't so. So you should be, again, very careful about who you hire. That's why being public uh, about your, pers uh, about your uh, real identity and uh, interacting often proves that you are a legit person and sharing what the things that you have been building yeah seems like even if you're hiring a developer you need to do like your thing like do your own research thing <laughs> about development yeah. yeah whoa that that's crazy like yeah <laughs> and um what about vcs like uh do you work with vcs like web free oriented vcs there are some VCs who are, who are actually helping their portfolio companies hire. And there are some VCs who also have this uh, in-house venture building. And because they have this in-house venture building, yeah, they might need some talent. And yeah, are there, fractional... any are there any difference between like web through oriented and web free oriented VCs? Yeah, I mean, web free oriented. Web free VCs are, uh, they have, Okay, there is a lot of similarities, but there is also a lot of differences. Web free VCs have this uh, niche, so-called niche specialization, where they really uh, put a lot of focus on things like tokenomics. Um, mm -hmm. but the, they have different criteria, basically, when it comes to making investment decisions. A lot of things are similar, but there is also differences. It's it's like saying uh, there is VCs who invest in uh, I don't know agri-tech companies it's kind of a niche area like and there is the generic VCs that invest in in, in all areas right you right. have VCs like a16z which has which has a crypto fund and they have generic funds etc and you have uh, like crypto only VCs and you have like web2 VCs who don't want to touch anything crypto who are like hey i've never made any investment in tokens so there's all these different kinds of VCs uh, but the large ones like I don't know, like Sequoia, 16Z, et cetera, they usually invest in all types of companies. So they have these specialized partners who who kind of lead these um, investments in web-free startups. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Oh, well, that was tough. Like <laughs> we somehow managed to discuss all industry in in an hour. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is there is still trust me, there is more things to discuss. But yeah, yeah, web free is is it's it's huge. You can just go for hours, and there's uh, it, we just really didn't we just kind of touched them, and like each one of these topics, I think. It, it, it can be a podcast on its own where you just deep dive into DeFi, you deep dive into decentralized social media, you deep dive into, I don't know, origins of crypto or have a philosophical yeah. debate about how much decentralization do we need? Are things decentralized or not? A lot of these, uh, I don't know, validators, they still use AWS. How come it's decentralized? I mean, we can have all these kind of debates. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Discussing yeah. all that stuff in in one yeah. podcast yeah that that's actually that's a good idea uh, thanks thanks for it <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. so uh this one is like more personal question but it's like it's or uh, it's really interesting for me personally uh i i remember you did uh david goggins challenge recently yeah. can, can you tell a bit more about the challenge how you how you come to do it like Okay, so uh, just a, um, uh, a quick backstory, right? There was a time where um, I was very overweight. I was not really happy about my health. I was not happy about um, the type of life I was living. And I even had an injury and doctors said, oh, you can never really run. You can never do this and that. Uh, but then one day I read this book of David Goggins. Uh, it was during COVID 2020. And I'm like, you know what? This guy, he's been running on broken feet. He's done things that other people thought it's impossible. He was about 150 kilograms. And then he just dropped about, I'm just converting from pounds to kilograms. So you can uh, say if I get some number. Yeah. So essentially he dropped a lot of weight in three months and then he joined the most elite division of the U.S. Navy, U.S. Navy SEALs. He graduated from that. He served in the military for 20 years. He became an ultra marathon runner. He became a triathlete. He broke uh, different Guinness World Records, etc. He, he did the kind of crazy things that other people was thought was impossible. But when he was, I think, 23, 24 years old, he was like literally spraying for cockroaches and making $1,000 a month. He was doing a, like a very low paid kind of like, you know, dirty type of job, you know, just yeah. going and spraying for, for insects in the restaurants. And everybody thought his life was over, but he was able to turn things around and become one of the most... Uh, decorated in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the toughest people in the world and serving the uh, one of the most elite units in the US military, etc. right? So when I read this book, I realized the only limitation that I have is the one that I have in my mind. So it doesn't matter if I had an injury, it doesn't matter if I was like a very big guy. I started running and on my first day, I could do only, I think, 100 meters. And like my feet were hurting. I was like, oh, I can't do that. But then I followed his rule, which is like, you did 100 meters today, do... 150 next dates. It's not yeah. a lot, 50 meters, right? And then gradually I went from 100, 200, 500, and I was able to complete one kilometer. And then I did five. 
And then I'm like, you know what? Let's try a little more. And then a couple of months later, I was doing 10. And I'm like, what if we can do like a half marathon 21? Okay. And then you're like, you know what? It's not that hard. I kind of start enjoying it. And then you do a marathon and then you go to uh, longer distances than that. This is how I started. So at my highest, I was about 110 kilograms. And then I, uh, actually 110, yeah. And then I dropped about 30 plus kg. I was like 70 something between 75 to 78. Um, uh, and yeah, that, that just happened uh, over a period of, of uh, I don't know, like four or five months, something like that. I had a lot of ups and downs, but the biggest drop in my weight was relatively short period. Yeah. And I've never stopped running since then. And I feel like I'm in, in, in the best shape in my 30s than I was in my 20s. And all the problems that I had when I was running, and I had like some serious problems um, uh, when I was running, my knees were hurting, etc. I had a problem with the IT band. Uh, all, all these problems, I, I did some reading and then just, I didn't push too much. I just started pushing gradually and these problems disappeared, right? Yeah. And long story short, in Bangkok, two months ago, I did this challenge where uh, it, it was like a stage challenge within, in less than 48 hours, I did 126 kilometers. So essentially every four hours I was running about 10.5 kilometers for 48 hours. So it's like 12 legs of 10.5 kilometer and that's a free marathon distance. And it may seem a lot, but if you really ask like like a really pro <laughs> elite athlete, they're like, yeah, it's kind of good, but you are just getting started. So <laughs> you should push for more. So I feel like this is just the beginning. And at the end of it, I realized it was more of a mental challenge than physical because our bodies, they can take so much pain, so much discomfort. The only reason we don't want to do that is because we're, we're, we have been accustomed to, oh, that thing should be easy. That thing should be comfortable. We don't want to endure any pain. And that's why when something hurts a little bit, we just want to run away from it and go back to our couch. And and it takes a while to change this mindset. And by the way, I think partially it's because modern world, modern society, and even to a certain degree, the modern companies, they want us to be that way. If you If you think about it, Netflix wants you to, watch as many movies as possible. Facebook wants you to spend as many minutes as possible. Or yeah. TikTok, that's the, this is the most addictive app, I think. These days, yeah. teenagers, they spend, I think, like on average an hour plus. That's crazy. If you say how many months I've spent in TikTok during my whole life, it's going to be crazy, right? And yeah. why? Because they care about their profitability, but they don't care if it's going to affect you. They would rather have you watched this these videos which don't which are not even educational if you watch the small videos about physics or math or whatever i'm like okay you know it's, it's not bad you just watch like some stupid people just doing some dance moves which is okay if you do in in moderation but when you do like an hour a day it's, it, it becomes an addiction right yeah and your brain becomes accustomed to doing things which are easy which are fun uh so you start eating food which is not very healthy uh, fast food, chips, whatever, right? Because it's tasty and it's crap food. You start doing things which are easy. You watch Netflix, you sit on the couch. These things, 
are not bad per se, but when you take them to the extreme, which these companies want you to do, uh, well, you start having bad consequences, you get out of shape, you start developing health problems later on, like I did. And it really takes a lot of resilience to and, and discipline to say that I want to live a different life and, and change it. So yeah, that's that's why well since I took running, I've I've been feeling much happier than before. Even even your mental health are increased, right? You feel better, yeah. you feel in shape, you feel that you 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 can like you're ready for the day, let's say this. Yeah. No Absolutely. matter no matter the, no matter what challenge it will be, like you're ready to do it. Exactly. So if you start your day by running, trust me, your day is going to be much more productive. And here's why: because when you wake up at I don't know six a.m., you go for a quick ten-kilometer run, you come back, you shower, you start your day, you're going to be like, you know what? Um, I did something that ninety-nine percent of people didn't do. I already had one big accomplishment of the day and that is going to help you do other accomplishments, right? And then the more things you accomplish that day, the more likely you are to keep doing other things. But if you just wake up on the wrong leg, so to say, if you don't do run, you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then you kind of don't feel good about yourself. And then you face the first challenge of the day and things go wrong, right? Right, right. Uh, so I think uh, if you do one thing right at the beginning of the day for me it's running for you it can be something else you're much more likely to have a successful day and even if you don't have a successful day for whatever reason you can at the end of the day you can still think you know what i had a bad day but i had a great morning run or i did something great in the morning so i still had a good day and i'm really proud of myself yeah it's all I... about how you feel about yourself yeah like i have already one big challenge completed for this day like no matter what, yeah. Exactly. You you say yeah, I had a bad day, but I did something that ninety nine percent of people didn't do, and I'm feeling great. So you know what? I had a little bit of a challenge at work, but that's fine because I'm feeling I'm in great shape. And tomorrow I'm gonna do run again, and I'm gonna kill at work. And then <laughs> most likely that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a matter of time, in a matter of discipline, uh, that will happen. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So, one last question. Like, mm -hmm. I promise this is this is the last one. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Yeah. Uh, what What will be your message to the world? Um, I would say choose something that you are passionate about. Focus on it. And then um, really develop and wavering discipline to achieve it. That's probably the my message. To if you want to be successful, you have to pick something that you really like. And then you have to put some really, really hard work for a long time. And if you do that, the chances are you'll achieve it. There's no easy way. I think this is, this is if, if I learned one thing in this life, it's that's that you just need to stay on the path. You shouldn't go left and right all the time. And you should have really, really uh, strong discipline and work ethics, and you should work hard to achieve it. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Aram. Thank you for this great conversation. Thanks and for having me. We'll meet again. 
I really hope. Yeah, we... absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, talking there are a lot you. of topics that we need to discuss. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. All righty. Uh, have a nice you day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.